Now, some might ask why the Church of Scotland is introducing something like the five marks of mission as we are asked to look at the life and future of the church here in Scotland, our own included. Well, these five marks of mission were developed a number of years ago to help people develop a better understanding of what mission is about. And they've been adopted as a basis for mission by other denominations as well as our own. But it's not really anything new. When Jesus began his mission on earth, he stood up in a synagogue in Nazareth and read from the book of Isaiah chapter 43. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This was Jesus' statement of intent as he began his work, as he began his mission. The five marks of mission are merely a way of thinking about how all-encompassing the mission is that God calls us to take part in. The first is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. If we wanted to condense it more, we could reduce it to one word, tell. Jesus spent his ministry telling, proclaiming the good news, which is the meaning of the word gospel. He didn't define or describe what the kingdom was like, but he told stories, lots of stories about what the kingdom is like. And you've heard them. We call them parables. They were based in the life that people experienced. They involved wise and foolish builders and the need for a firm foundation. Shepherds looking for one lost sheep, a father welcoming home a son who had turned his back on him, and so on. And as I've said before, I think there's a lesson for us here. We tend to think we need to have all the answers to any question that we might be asked about the Christian faith. So this proclaiming, this telling is something we shrink from because we're not quite sure what to say and we feel we might get it wrong. But actually, if we look at the example of Jesus, we see it's far better to tell a story. Basically, our story, which we won't get wrong. And we invite people to join us in seeking the kingdom as Jesus commanded in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God. We do that regularly on a Sunday morning. We come together with the other churches in this area in the run-up to Easter and at Christmas, as well as at other times in the year. For younger people, we've had Messy Church and the Breathe Project Rock Pit, both of which we hope will start again soon. We use Facebook and YouTube, our web page and dial-in phone number to offer our reflection each week. We have a prayer group, all things to come along to, be involved in, to point people towards or invite them along to as we proclaim the good news of the kingdom, which is about Christ saving, forgiving, reconciling love for all people. But should we be thinking of other things, like starting a dementia-friendly type of worship or a singing group that meets once a month? 
The second mark is to teach, baptise and nurture new believers. Although there's no record of Jesus baptising anyone, he welcomed the baptism of John the Baptist and he commanded his disciples to baptise in his final instruction to them. Jesus spent three years with his first disciples, teaching and nurturing. He used words and actions. He welcomed and included those on the fringes. He encouraged those who were his followers. Though he also pointed out their errors, like when they were arguing about who was the most important, who was the greatest among them. We too can be welcoming and encouraging both inside church and beyond our walls in this call to help one another discover more about God's love and God's call for our lives. We also all have things that we can learn from one another and we are called to continue to learn. It's said that the church is always just one generation from extinction. But actually I like to see it as the church is always just one generation away from the world turning back to God. Teaching, baptising and nurturing is really a job for the whole people of God. None of us can do it all on our own. Excitingly, we all have a role to play. The third mark is to respond to human need by loving service and we're probably more comfortable with the idea of witnessing to our faith by doing good things compared with talking about our faith. But we have to be careful when we go down the track of it's not what I say, it's what I do and how I live because it's not just an easy option. People watch us all the time, not just when we are responding to a need. And here's a question. Do we go out of our way to do good? Do we take the initiative in caring or do we wait for someone in need to come to us or be drawn to our attention? Within our church we have a pastoral care group and over these recent months I've wondered if we should expand this and have an active telephone care service where we all undertake to phone and check in with people to see how they're doing because it's up to all of us to respond where we see need. We have opportunities to come together for fellowship. Wednesday coffee and chat has restarted, as have the Guild. Our prayer group will soon be meeting together again, though we have connected week by week via email. These are just some of the places where we can seek to respond or seek out help. Not all human need is financial, or can be met by throwing money at a problem. Many of the problems people face in our society today are a result of loneliness or neglect or lack of support and advice. So how can we respond? In truth, not all problems people face can be fixed, but they can become bearable with someone to listen, sympathise and pray with. We can't do it all. We won't solve every problem, but we can make a difference. The fourth mark is to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence of every kind and pursue peace and reconciliation. Jesus did things which the society in which he lived considered radical. He reached out and touched lepers and others who were considered outside of polite society, so to speak. He gave women and children a worth which few others did. 
He criticised the excessive power some of the scribes and Pharisees had over ordinary people. And you have to remember that there was much more of an overlap between religious and political power in his society than there is in ours. He wept over Jerusalem and said, Would that even today you knew the things that make for peace. We heard in our reading from Amos, God hates injustice and oppression. We are called to be salt and light and like the prophet Amos to challenge the powers of this world to seek to change things for the better. Christians through the ages have sought to change society for the better. Setting up hospitals, ending slavery, setting up schools, campaigning to make poverty history, working to prevent climate change. This is an important part of showing God's love, of working for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder what we are being called to do to transform our society now. We can certainly join with other organisations that are working to change society for the better, but sometimes we may be being called not just to support, but to do something more. For example, supporting something like a food bank, but actually working to address the causes of poverty. We are grateful to those who keep the work of Christian aid before us and ask us to join in and support various campaigns and emergency appeals. For those who have brought the issues of fair trade before us and asked us to consider what we buy. For those who remind us to look beyond our doors our community and our nation, to Malawi, asking us to support in prayerful and practical ways. For those who help us focus on charities local and national at Christmas time, asking that we consider giving gifts to those who would receive none, or giving donations that mean a charity can continue its work in our area or in the wider world. The fifth and final mark is to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation and sustain and renew the life of the earth. We are called to be stewards of God's creation, to care for all that he has made. God's creation points us to him and we are called to show our love for God in how we care for his creation. And that also affects those who live on this small, one-of-a-kind, irreplaceable planet. We are seeing what lack of care for creation has led to. Massive destruction and the harm of millions of people who are starving and displaced due to climate change. As a church, we should have a growing commitment to action of reducing the severity and seriousness of climate change. And I would point you towards the eco-congregation programme as a way for us to get more involved in the environmental mission of the church. And as individuals, we should continually be challenging ourselves to find ways of reducing our own impact on the environment. As COP26 takes place in Glasgow, we wait to see what the governments of the world will do. But that shouldn't hold us back from asking, what can we do? What can I do? In the coming months, we will be asked to consider where the five marks of mission fit in our church, which we fulfil, which we might need to work on. 
We can't think that we have ticked all the boxes in the past and there is therefore nothing left to do. We can't think we've done our bit or I've done my bit, it's up to someone else. Because Christ's mission is ongoing and his call is to all in the here and the now. I believe that these five marks of mission do provide us with an appropriate lens through which it might be helpful and positively refocus the life and witness of the church national, but more importantly, the church local, our church. The five marks of mission, which are consistent with the words of the prophets of old and of Jesus Christ who came into this world to bring the good news of the kingdom of God present us with a huge, wide-embracing agenda, agenda. Let's dare to be excited and let's get involved.